Part 1. Durham filings are filled with revelations. I also comment on how Sussman's losing every ruling thus far. By Brian Cates. Friday, April 15th, was a busy day in the Michael Sussman case. Both the Sussman defense team and the special counsel's prosecution team made a series of filings. Sussman is the former Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer who has been indicted by special counsel John Durham for making a false statement to a federal official. Last week, the defense's motion to dismiss Sussman's indictment was denied. Sussman swung for the fences back on February 17th and then again on April 4th with two motions to dismiss, which Federal District Judge Christopher Cooper denied in a ruling issued on April 13th. In making that ruling, Judge Cooper pretty much agreed with every single point Durham had made in his reply to the motion to dismiss. Briefly, Sussman had asked the judge to rule on his own prior to trial that Sussman's lie to FBI General Counsel James Baker, the offense for which he had been indicted, was immaterial to the FBI opening an investigation into the Alpha Bank hoax and dismiss Durham's indictment. Durham had countered by arguing that the established case law and precedent clearly shows that the question of materiality was up to the jury to make at trial and pointed out that all of the particular cases cited in Sussman's own motion to dismiss had all been made after the jury had rendered a verdict. Judge Cooper agreed with Durham and denied the motion to dismiss. If the fix was in, all Cooper had to do was grant Sussman's motion to dismiss the special counsel's indictment against him. This will cause some black pillars to have to shift the goalposts. Busy day on the 15th. Nothing much happened for a few days, and then the 15th arrived and there was suddenly a flurry of filing activity. The defense went first, making a series of filings on the court docket involving attempts to drastically limit what the special counsel can present as evidence in Sussman's upcoming trial, which is currently slated to begin on May 16th. Telegram blogger and live streamer Just Human put up a post linking all the defense's new filings and their exhibits. Quote, New filing by Sussman today, April 15th, 2022. Memorandum in opposition by Michael A. Sussman, Re61 Motion in Limine. Main document, link in the article. Attachment 1, link in the article. Attachment 2, link in the article. Attachment 3, link in the article, end quote. Reading through the filings, it quickly became apparent to me that Sussman's trying to have the judge exclude most of the key evidence against him before the trial starts. This is a Hail Mary filing and not a very well-argued one. Then, late that night, it was the Durham Special Counsel's turn and a new filing suddenly appeared from them. Technofog was the first one to send out an alert about the new Durham filing and one of the notable revelations in it. Quote, Mr. Sussman gave a general description of the data he was providing on a thumb drive, noting that it was related to DNS, domain name system information, his contacts, 
had gathered information indicating that a Russian-made Yota phone had been seen by them connecting to Wi-Fi from the Trump Tower in New York as well as from a location in Michigan at the same time that then-candidate Trump was believed to be at these locations. In December 2016, the Yota phone was seen connecting to Wi-Fi from the executive office of the president, the White House. Mr. Sussman was asked if the information provided would show instances when the Yota phone and then-candidate Trump were not believed to be co-located, to which Mr. Sussman answered yes. Important info dropped tonight. Special Counsel Durham files CIA notes from Michael Sussman's February 2017 meeting with the CIA. This is confirmation that they spied on President-elect Trump in December 2016. Techno then followed up later with this, having looked the filings over. Quote, Special Counsel John Durham filed something very significant in the Michael Sussman case. How Sussman and his client, Joffe, used data from the Trump transition, including when Trump was in the White House. The CIA findings that this data was not plausible and was user-created. And the immunity Durham has given to witnesses, including one from Fusion GPS, end quote. Before digging into the new Durham filing, I made this comment on my Telegram channel based on the screenshot provided by Technofog, quote, this proves that Hillary Clinton's private spy network, comprised of federal cyber contractors, were indeed abusing and exploiting their access to federal communications collection databases, and that they were mining those databases for non-public data targeting Trump and his close associates. These criminal cyber contractors were stealing federal data, some of it very likely classified, off the databases and giving it to other Clinton political operatives, such as Michael Sussman. And now, Durham has just unveiled definitive evidence these criminal cyber contractors were illegally stealing data from out of the executive office of the president during the transition period after Trump won the 2016 election and giving that stolen data to the Clinton campaign's dirty tricks operatives, end quote. Durham's reply to Sussman's motion to exclude the FBI's cyber unit chief from testifying at his trial as an expert witness. One of Durham's filings is his rebuttal to the defense team's motion to exclude the government's expert witness, FBI Cyber Unit Chief David Martin, from testifying at the upcoming trial scheduled to begin on May 16th. The filing can be read here, link in the article. Quote, on March 30th, 2022, the government disclosed to the defense, pursuant to the Federal Rule of Criminal Procedure 16A1G, notice of its intention to call an expert witness to testify regarding DNS data and other matters relevant to cyber investigations. More specifically, the government disclosed that Special Agent David Martin, an FBI unit chief who is assigned to the FBI's Cyber Division Technical Analysis Unit, would testify regarding the following. One, a description to the jury about the basic mechanics, architecture, and terminology of the DNS system and DNS data so that the jury can understand the various technical terms and concepts which appear in documents and other evidence that the government intends to offer. Second, an explanation to the jury regarding how certain private company, companies and entities maintain DNS resolvers and provide services involving DNS data, which includes processing and storing DNS data. 
Third, a description of how private companies and entities gain access to DNS data and how they collect and commercialize that data. Fourth, an explanation of certain examples of DNS data to assist the jury in understanding particular fields that appear within the data. Fifth, a description to the jury concerning the types of conclusions that can be drawn about one, online activities on a review of DNS data, and two, the origins and sources of DNS data, and sixth, an explanation to the jury regarding the onion router, Tor, and common terms used in connection with Tor, including a concept of a Tor exit node, and the types of investigative steps and methods used for analyzing online activities involving Tor. Additionally, the government provided notice that it would call an expert witness in a rebuttal case or otherwise should the defense, through cross-examination of government witnesses or testimony of its other witnesses, suggest, imply, or seek to prove the authenticity of the relevant DNS data or the truth of the allegations concerning a covert communications channel between the Trump Organization and Russian Bank One." End quote. Durham informed the Sussman defense team on March 30th that the government would be calling an expert witness to the stand to testify at the trial and explain to the jury what DNS data is and what the Alpha Bank white papers were claiming about DNS data. Durham also warned that if Sussman or any defense witness attempts to claim the Alpha Bank hoax was authentic and really does show Trump-Russia communication, their expert witness is prepared to reply to that. This has caused Sussman's team to absolutely freak out. They don't want any cyber expert explaining DNS lookup data to the jury or what the DNS allegations were in the Alpha Bank hoax that Sussman handed off to the FBI and how some of his this DNS data appears to have been fabricated and how anyone with even a basic understanding of the DNS system would have realized the Alpha Bank, quote, evidence was bogus. So they immediately filed with the court a motion to exclude the government's expert witness. They don't want FBI Cyber Unit Chief David Martin anywhere near the jury. Now Durham just filed his rebuttal argument to the defense's motion to exclude. Quote, Additionally, the government provided notice that it would call an expert witness in a rebuttal case or otherwise should the defense, through cross-examination of government witnesses or testimony of its own witnesses, suggest, imply, or seek to prove the authenticity of the relevant DNS data or the truth of the allegations concerning a covert communications channel between the Trump Organization and Russian Bank One, end quote. This part right here is really why the defense team is trying to prevent Martin from testifying at Sussman's trial. Sussman, if he's really intent on going to trial and professing his innocence, 
wants to be able to testify on the stand and have, uh, and have others testify for him that he really honestly and truly believed the Alpha Bank allegations were real. He wants to testify he most certainly did not believe that the Alpha Bank project was a hoax or a fake. He was not making up stuff for the Clinton campaign as part of a dirty trick operation to vilify Donald Trump as a distraction from Hillary Clinton's own email server scandal, you see. Sussman's attention, intention appears to be to get on the stand and say that he and the people on the cyber team he was working with via Rodney Joffe at Newstar believed there really was a hidden communications line between Alpha Bank and Trump Tower. But the special counsel's office has now told him if he gets up there and says that or any other defense witness claims that, Durham will have Martin to rebut that definitely with expert testimony. Quote from Durham's filing. B. The government expert's testimony will aid the jury's understanding of the evidence. 1. The government's expert notice is not untimely. The defendant first argues that the government's March 30th, 2022 notice was untimely. As the defendant correctly states, Federal Rule of Criminal Procedure 16 does not contain a specific timing requirement. Instead, Rule 16A1G, quote, is intended to maximize surprise that often results from unexpected expert testimony to reduce the need for continuances and to provide the opponent with a fair opportunity to test the merit of the expert's testimony through focused cross-examination, end quote. Fed R. Crim P. 16 Advisory Committee's Note, 1993 Amendment. First, the government's expert disclosure here was not untimely. Indeed, the D.C. Circuit has previously held that the government's expert disclosure six weeks prior to trial was timely. See United States v. Martinez. D.C. Circuit Court 2007, upholding the admission of expert testimony under Rule 16, where the government provided information as to the challenged testimony approximately six weeks before trial and in opposition to a motion to exclude the testimony. In contrast, in cases where courts have found that the government's notice was untimely, the disclosure of the expert occurred on the eve of trial. End quote. The first objection that Sussman's defense team makes to having FBI Cyber Unit Chief David Martin testify as an expert witness is that they claim the special counsel's office waited too long to notify them that they were going to call an expert witness, tell them who that expert witness was and what this expert would testify to. Durham points out that the federal rule of criminal procedure 16 does not contain any specific timing requirement in it but the courts have ruled many times on what is considered to be a sufficient amount of time, and six weeks before trial is plenty of time. March 30th, the, debate, the date the defense received notice that Martin would be testifying, was almost exactly six weeks from the time of the trial date, May 16th, that Judge Christopher Cooper had previously set. A month and a half is plenty of time. And Durham cites case law on this, where the D.C. Circuit, which is where the case is being held, has ruled six weeks prior to trial is sufficient notice. The only times the court has found notice of expert testimony by the government to be untimely was when notice was given only on the eve of the trial's court date. 
If Durham had waited until around May 6th to inform the defense he'd be calling an expert witness just 10 days before the trial starts, then the defense would have real grounds for objecting. In U.S. v. Martinez, the court found the government waiting until just five days before the trial to notify the defense of an expert witness was not timely. In U.S. v. Johnson, the prosecutors waited until six, just six days before trial to notify the defense they were calling in an expert witness, and the court ruled this notification was untimely. Then, Durham counters yet again by showing several of the cases cited by Sussman's defense team actually help make Durham's case for him. Both cases cited by Sussman's team, U.S. v. Day and U.S. v. Wilson, involved defense teams that waited far too long to notify the court of their intention to call expert witnesses. In U.S. v. Day, the court excluded the expert witness the defense wanted to call to testify because the defense only gave the court an extremely vague two-page report less than 14 days before the trial date. In U.S. v. Wilson, the court excluded the defense's expert witness because the defense waited until less than one week before trial to notify the court it intended to call that witness. In contrast, Durham gave the defense a full six weeks notice of his intention to bring Martin in as his expert witness, and he didn't give them a vague two-page report about what Martin will testify to either. Quote from the filing. Second, the government has gone above its Rule 16 obligations in disclosing to the defense that it would call an expert in rebuttal or otherwise to testify concerning the authenticity of relevant DNS data or the actual truth of the allegations at issue concerning a secret channel of communications between the Trump Organization and Russian Bank One, consistent with the plain language of Rule 16 and case law in other circuits. The government's presentation of rebuttal expert testimony without prior notice does not violate Rule 16, since the rule's notice requirements apply only to the government's case-in-chief. See U.S. v. Wyndham, 5th Circuit, 1974, quote, Rebuttal witnesses are a recognized exception to all witness disclosure requirements. See also U.S. v. De Carlantonio, 6th Circuit, 1989, Rule 16 does not require disclosure of expert rebuttal testimony not offered during government's case in chief. U.S. v. Barrett, 1st Circuit, 1985, same. U.S. v. Angelini, 9th Circuit, 1979, same. End quote. Part of the Sussman team's objections is that they didn't get sufficient notice that Martin would be called as a rebuttal expert witness. Durham argues the special counsel's office, SCO, has actually gone above its Rule 16 requirements. Durham points out the Rule 16 obligations only to cover the government's case in chief. That is, the case they give in the opening statement of the trial and then the presentation of their case against the defendant, at which point the government rests and the defense begins to make its own case. So the government's case in chief extends only from the opening statement to the point the government rests. However, after the defense has made its own case to the jury, the government gets to make its rebuttal case to the defense's presentation. Durham can't yet tell Sussman's team exactly what Martin would testify to as an expert rebuttal witness because the defense hasn't made its case yet. What kind of rebuttal testimony Martin would make depends on what kind of defense Sussman mounts at trial. 
and Durham has already warned the defense that if they have Sussman or any other defense witness get on the stand and claim the DNS data really does show a real line of communication between Trump Tower and the Alpha Bank, and by inference, secret communications between Donald Trump and the Russian government, Martin will be called to give expert testimony rebutting those claims. It's been established case law with precedent since 1974 that, quote, Rebuttal witnesses are a recognized exception to all witness disclosure requirements, U.S. v. Wyndham. Neither side knows what kind of expert testimony will be needed or what particular expert witnesses they will call until they've heard the other side's case in the courtroom. Thus, neither side is required to disclose to the other side exactly who their expert rebuttal witnesses will be before the trial starts. So. Durham is in fact correct. He has gone far above his obligations under Rule 16 by informing the defense he'll call Martin as his rebuttal witness if Sussman or anyone else attempts to claim on the stand the Alpha Bank allegations about Trump-Russia collusion have real merit. Quote from the filing. The government's disclosure meets the requirements of Rule 16 and adequately provides a written summary as to Special Agent Martin's expected expert testimony. As is detailed above, Special Agent Martin's expert testimony is necessary to aid the jury in understanding certain concepts, including the basic mechanics and terminology of the DNS system and DNS data. Further, the government expects testimony from other witnesses regarding the gathering of DNS data by Tech Executive One and his associates including his taskings of individuals at University One and various internet companies. Special Agent Martin's testimony explaining how certain companies gain access and provide services involving DNS data will likely clearly assist the data in understanding these issues. In addition, the government expects to present evidence in its case in chief regarding the FBI and Agency Two's conclusions about the Russian Bank One allegations, including the particular investigative and analytical steps taken by these agencies. Again, Special Agent Martin's testimony will be helpful to the jury regarding what types of conclusions can be drawn about a person's or entity's online activities based on a review of DNS data. Ultimately, the government's disclosure satisfies Rule 16's notice requirement and provides the defense with adequate information to challenge the testimony at trial. In addition, the government's disclosure of Special Agent Martin's curriculum vitae was sufficient under Rule 16. In doing so, the government provided notice of Special Agent Martin's qualifications, which, based on his education and training and experience in the area of cyber, end quote. What Sussman and the defense want to be able to do is spin their own tale about DNS data and what the Alpha Bank white papers and thumb drives show. This is another reason they don't want Martin testifying. They only want the jury hearing Sussman and Joffe's version of what they were doing and what the DNS data shows. The filing continues. Quote, Nevertheless, the motion contends that the government's disclosure did not pro provide the bases and reasons for Special Agent Martin's opinion or how he is, quote, qualified to testify specifically about DNS or TOR, end quote. Moat at nine. 
to the extent that the government's prior disclosure did not adequately inform the defense of Special Agent Marston's qualifications, the government intends to provide defense with a supplemental disclosure regarding his training and experience with DNS and TOR, including the following. First, as part of his cyber threat investigations, Special Agent Martin regularly analyzes network traffic, which includes DNS data. Second, in furtherance of his investigations, Special Agent Martin reviews DNS data regularly, often on a daily and or weekly basis. And third, as an FBI unit chief, Special Agent Martin supervises analysts and other agents' work product, which includes technical review of DNS data analysis. Accordingly, the government's notice is adequate and any arguable deficiencies will be cured by the supplemental disclosure as outlined above." End quote. Well, they had to try. Sussman's defense team actually claims to the court that they are objecting to FBI Cyber Unit Chief David Martin testifying as an expert witness because they say the Durham Special Counsel's Office did not disclose to them how Martin is qualified to testify specifically about DNS or TOR? You are reading that correctly. Sussman's team had the balls to say, you didn't show us why the guy who is the chief of the FBI's cyber unit is qualified to testify as an expert witness on what DNS are and TOR are to a jury. Durham says, tell you what, I'll drop a big report on Agent Martin's qualifications in your lap before the trial gets here. But you know you're reaching here, guys. Quote from the filing. Three. The proffered expert testimony is relevant and not prejudicial. Finally, the defendant argues that any testimony regarding the accuracy of the data and related conclusions is irrelevant and unduly prejudicial. See Moat at 10. That, argues likewise should be that argument likewise should be rejected, as the government memorialized in its expert notice to the defense through discussions with defense counsel, the government learned that the defense was inclined to not offer evidence or engage in questioning that would imply or seek to prove the authenticity of the DNS data provided to the FBI and agency too. In addition, the government learned that the defense would not engage in questioning or present evidence regarding the truth of the allegations at issue concerning a secret channel of communications between the Trump Organization and Russian Bank One. As a result, the government provided notice that should the defense attempt to seek to establish such conclusions regarding these areas through cross-examination or its own witnesses, that the government reserved the right to call Special Agent Martin as an expert concerning the ultimate accuracy and or reliability of the data." End quote. In the last section of this rebuttal filing, Durham addresses the defense's claim that the expert testimony FBI Cyber Chief Martin would give at trial would be prejudicial to the defendant. Defense claims Martin will twist the evidence to make it say stuff it doesn't actually say, that he will sell an inaccurate take of the DNS data and Alpha Bank papers and thumb drives to the jury in order to get Sussman convicted. Durham counters this by noting that in previous discussions with the defense, they had informed the special counsel's office that they did not intend to have Sussman or any defense witness offer evidence or testimony that would imply or prove the authenticity of the DNS data as far as establishing a real line of communication between Trump Tower and Moscow. One has to wonder why, if the 
Sussman team already made this claim to Durham, they are still seeking to prevent Martin's testimony as a rebuttal witness. Martin's only supposed to be brought in as such if Sussman or another defense witness alleges the Trump-Russia communication allegation is true or was believed to be true. So this warning from Durham seems to be to remind Sussman and all potential defense witnesses that they had better not renege on their earlier statements about not bringing up the validity or authenticity of the Alpha Bank allegations at trial. Quote from the filing, the government's disclosure here is entirely proper. As the government has already disclosed to the defense, should the defense attempt to elicit testimony surrounding the accuracy and or reliability of the data that the defendant provided to the FBI and Agency 2, Special Agent Martin would explain the following. First, that while he cannot determine with certainty whether the data at issue was cherry-picked, manipulated, spoofed, or authentic, the data was necessarily incomplete because it was a subset of all global DNS data. Second, that the purported data provided by the defendant nevertheless did not support the conclusions set forth in the primary white paper which the defendant provided to the FBI. Third, that numerous statements in the white paper were inaccurate and or overstated. And fourth, that individuals familiar with these relevant subject areas such as DNS data and TOR would know that such statements lacked support and were inaccurate and or overstated. Testimony regarding these areas is highly relevant should the defense seek to argue that the defendant relied on Tech Executive One's conclusions and lacked a motive to conceal information about his clients. In like manner, Special, Mar Special Agent Martin's testimony regarding these areas should also be relevant to explain Tech Executive One's motive in concealing his involvement in promoting the allegations concerning a secret channel of communications between the Trump Organization and Russian Bank One. Ultimately, the government should be entitled to introduce Special Agent Martin's testimony either in its case-in-chief or in rebuttal, as appropriate should the defense attempt to elicit testimony surrounding the accuracy and or reliability of the data. Conclusion. For the foregoing reasons, the court should deny the defendant's motion to exclude the government's proposed expert witness testimony. Respectfully submitted, John H. Durham, special counsel, end quote. That's how Durham's team ends the filing noting that Martin will only be called as a rebuttal witness if the defense proffers the jury a claim attempting to prove the accuracy and or reliability of the data the defendant provided to the FBI and the CIA. So, as long as the defense keeps its word and doesn't attempt to do that, they have nothing to fear from David Martin. Thus, I conclude my survey of the Durham rebuttal to the defense's motion to exclude. Durham's rebuttal to defense's motion to compel the government to grant Rodney Joffe immunity so he can testify as a witness for the defense. Quote, part three, the defendant's motion seeking an order to compel the government to immunize Tech Executive One should be denied. The defense next moves in limine to compel the government to grant Tech Executive One immunity as a witness, or if the government is not willing to do so, to dismiss the case against the defendant. The defendant's arguments should be rejected. 
Indeed, to now arbitrarily force the government to immunize Tech Executive One merely because the defense believes he would offer arguably helpful testimony to the defendant would run afoul of the law and inject the court into matters plainly reserved to the executive branch." End quote. What a strange set of circumstances here. Only the prosecution can grant immunity to witnesses. Sussman's legal team has submitted a motion to the court asking Judge Cooper to compel Durham to immunize Rodney Jaffe and grant him complete immunity so that Jaffe can get on the stand and testify in Sussman's defense. And if Judge Cooper won't grant Jaffe the requested immunity, they are then demanding he dismiss the case. This is a transparent gambit to keep Jaffe from spilling the beans and testifying truthfully about his work with Sussman on the construction of the Alpha Bank hoax. If Jaffe is granted immunity in exchange for his testimony, then he can't later be charged for any criminal conduct he's forced to reveal under oath should he not assert his Fifth Amendment rights. It should be kind of obvious that if Jaffe is granted immunity, he's got no compelling reason to tell the truth on the stand. He can say whatever he wants to. And Sussman obviously hopes Jaffe would use immunity to lie and help his defense. But if he has no immunity, then under oath on the stand, if he lies or tells the truth about criminal activity, he can be charged for that later. Quote from the filing. Nevertheless, defense counsel asks the court to present the government with a drastic decision. Either grant Tech Executive One immunity or dismiss the indictment. The D.C. Circuit has suggested that such an approach should only be considered in extraordinary circumstances in cases of prosecutorial misconduct. U.S. v. Lug, D.C. Circuit, 1989. U.S. v. Pinto, 1988. U.S. v. Pretorius, 1979, Second Circuit, end quote. Only in extraordinary cases has the court agreed that the prosecution must grant full immunity to a defense witness before trial. That circuit precedent was established in 1989 in the case of U.S. v. Lug and the case of U.S. v. Pretorius. Only if the court has seen grievous and provable prosecutorial misconduct, misconduct has immunity been granted to a defense witness. Needless to say, despite the Sussman defense team's remonstrations, Judge Cooper hasn't caught the Durham Special Counsel's Office engaging in any kind of misconduct, grievous or otherwise. Quote from the filing, in Ebers, the Second Circuit set forth a two-pronged test to determine the extraordinary circumstances when a court must require the government to grant a defense witness immunity. According to Ebers, a court must first determine whether the government has used immunity in a discriminatory way, has forced a potential witness to invoke the Fifth Amendment through overreaching, or has deliberately denied immunity for the purpose of withholding exculpatory evidence and gaining a tactical advantage through such manipulation. Ebers, uh, 458 F3rd at 119. Internal citation quotations omitted. The Ebers court provided potential examples of a discriminatory grant of immunity, which include threats, harassment, or other forms of intimidation, or simply a decision to confer immunity on some witnesses and not on others. 
with respect to this latter example, however, the court opined that, quote, it may also be the case that the immunity decision in question are so obviously based on legitimate law enforcement concerns that it is clear that a court cannot intervene without substantially hampering the administration of justice, end quote. Second, under Evers, the defendant must demonstrate that evidence provided by an immunized witness, quote, will be material, exculpatory, and not cumulative, and is not obtainable from any other source, end quote. Evers, 458F3rd at, at 119. In that regard, quote, exculpatory evidence is material when it tends to show that the accused is not guilty. Second, uh, Second Circuit, 2002. Put plainly, the Fifth Amendment does not require that defense witness immunity be ordered whenever it seems fair to grant it. United States v. Bahadar, Second Circuit, 1992. Absent some credible allegations of prosecutorial misconduct, it is solely in the government's purview to grant immunity to witnesses. End quote. The applicable law here when it comes to demands to immunize a defense witness in order to keep them from invoking their Fifth Amendment rights is U.S. v. Ebers, Second Circuit, 2006. Here's what's happening. Sussman wants to call Rodney Joffe to the stand as a defense witness because he thinks Joffe will give testimony that will help his case with the jury. But here's the problem. Joffe has done nothing but invoke his Fifth Amendment right ever since he was exposed in this scandal. Sussman's team knows if Joffe is not given immunity, and maybe even if he is, if he's called to the stand, he's not going to say shit, and he's just going to invoke his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. So, Sussman is demanding that Judge Cooper order Durham to give Joffe immunity. This is one of the weakest arguments I've ever seen. I fully expect Judge Cooper to deny the motion. Quote from the filing. B. Discussion. The defendant's argument fails for several reasons. First, the government has in no way threatened, bullied, harassed, or otherwise committed misconduct in its dealings with Tech Executive One. Ebers, 458F3rd at 119. Indeed, the government has never spoken directly with Tech Executive One. It has instead communicated with his lawyer principally via telephone and email over the past two years. The government did so initially to determine if Tech Executive One would be willing to meet with the government and share his knowledge of these matters, an offer which his counsel repeatedly rejected. On the basis of Tech Executive One's voluntary invocation of his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Since its initial communications with Tech Executive One's counsel, the government has also repeatedly answered counsel's questions regarding Tech Executive One's status in the investigation and has shared specific details regarding the nature of the investigation. Tech Executive One was a subject of the investigation prior to the defendant's indictment. He remained a subject following the return of the indictment, and he still remains a subject one month short of trial. Thus, unlike the cases cited by the defense, there can be no credible argument that the government improperly threatened Tech Executive One with prosecution, much less did so after learning that he might testify for the defense. Defense counsel has provided no examples of how the government has, quote, 
actively discouraged tech executive one from testifying through threats of prosecution, int intimidation, or coercive badgering. Smith, 1997, F2nd, at 680. Merely responding to counsel's inquiries about his client's status in the investigation cannot run afoul of that rule, end quote. Needless to say, Durham has no interest in giving the guy who was quarterbacking the entire private federal contractor spy network for Hillary Clinton immunity just so he can testify for Sussman's defense in his trial. Durham says unless the court can find some gross prosecutorial misconduct by his team, there's no precedent for granting a defense witness immunity. Durham points out ever since his office first contacted Joffe through his lawyers, he has consistently refused any cooperation and has invoked his Fifth Amendment rights. In fact, as you'll see from footnote four, the special counsel's office hasn't even had one face-to-face -face meeting with Joffe's lawyers. The one time a meeting had been agreed upon, Joffe changed his mind and had his lawyer cancel the meeting. This appears to mean that Joffe has never appeared before a grand jury to testify. He made it abundantly clear to the special counsel's office that he would invoke the fifth. Durham then says Joffe remains an ongoing subject of his criminal investigation. From the filing, quote, Indeed, case law in this and other districts confirms that the government must actively and improperly threaten a witness in connection with their testimony to warrant a grant of immunity. Otherwise, no adequate basis exists. See U.S. v. Davis, D.C. Circuit, 1992. Quote, the Sixth Amendment is not implicated every time a prosecutor or trial court offers advice regarding the penalties of perjury. United States v. Smith, D.C. Circuit, 1973. Prosecutors met with a potential defense witness during trial outside the presence of his counsel and threatened the witness with charges should he testify on behalf of the defendant. United States v. Morrison, 3rd Circuit, 1976. Finding prosecutorial misconduct where, quote, the actions of the prosecutor in his repeated warnings to prosecute a potential defense witness culminated in a highly intimidating personal interview were completely unnecessary. Nothing the defense has alleged, and certainly nothing the government has done here with regard to Tech Executive One, even remotely resembles the conduct of the prosecutors in those other cases." End quote. Sussman's lawyers attempt to prove two examples of prosecutorial misconduct so the court will grant Joffe immunity so he can testify for Sussman's defense. One, they claim the special counsel's office has threatened him, which is absurd. Durham's done nothing close to any of the examples in the cases they cite. Two, Sussman tries to claim the five-year statute of limitations has expired, so Joffe is being threatened by the special counsel's office for something that can't be prosecuted anyway. Durham scoffs at this. The defense does not know what evidence the government has collected and continues to collect or what violations of law the special counsel's office is investigating. Remember, the five-year clock does not start ticking until the last overt act is taken to further the criminal conspiracy. Who knows what Sussman's last overt act was to keep the Trump-Russia hoax conspiracy going. And since it's a conspiracy, any of, Russia, of Sussman's co-conspirators could have done something in 2018, 2019, 2020. 
2020, hell, maybe even this year, to try to cover up what they did. Trying to continue covering up and hiding your criminal conspiracy is, guess what? An overt act to further the conspiracy. So, Durham quickly dispenses with the statute already ran out dodge, quote from the filing. Third, the defendant has not alleged, nor could he, that the government has exercised immunity in a discriminatory way. Ebers 458 F3rd at 119. The only witness currently immunized by the government, researcher 2, was conferred with that status on July 28, 2021, over a month prior to the defendant's indictment in this matter. And the government immunized researcher 2 because, among other reasons, at least five other witnesses who conducted work relating to the Russian Bank 1 allegations invoked or indicated their intent to invoke their right against self-incrimination. The government therefore pursued Researcher 2's immunity in order to uncover otherwise unavailable facts underlying the opposition research project that Tech Executive 1 and others carried out in advance of the defendant's meeting with the FBI. To argue that the government has engaged in a discriminatory use of immunity here by granting such a witness immunity, but not another, is absurd. Indeed, the government's decision not to offer immunity to Tech Executive One was entirely reasonable and consistent with the Department of Justice's practices, given that Tech Executive One played a critical leadership role in assembling and submitting the allegations at issue and therefore would likely carry greater criminal exposure." End quote. Sussman then tries to argue that Durham has been discriminatory in how he grants immunity, only giving it to people who are cooperating and helping him build his case. Loud farting sound here as I laughed so hard I can't help it. Here, Durham revealing that in as far as the Alpha Bank hoax investigation goes, only one person has been granted immunity thus far, Researcher 2. And Researcher 2 was granted immunity back on July 28th, 2021. That was before Sussman was indicted later in September of 2021. So, Sussman trying to argue that the special counsel's office is discriminatory in how it is granting immunity doesn't fly. Durham reveals they pursued Researcher 2's immunity and granted a deal because five others involved in this joint venture stonewalled his investigators and his grand jury by pleading the fifth. Key detail here. We know Joffe has done nothing but invoke the fifth. Now the special counsel's office reveals that five others involved in this have also done nothing but invoke the fifth. This led the special counsel's office to pursue researcher two and come to a deal with this person where they are immunized, granted immunity in exchange for their cooperation and testimony against the others. Sussman's whining to the court that it's not fair that Durham granted a prosecution turncoat, a former member of his own Alpha Bank criminal conspiracy immunity, but is refusing to give it to Joffe so he can testify on Sussman's behalf at his trial. Quote from the filing. To argue that the government has engaged in a discriminatory use of immunity here by granting such a witness immunity but not another is absurd. Indeed, the government's decision not to offer immunity to Tech Executive One was entirely reasonable and consistent 
with the Department of Justice's practices, given that Tech Executive One played a critical relationship, leadership role in assembling and submitting the allegations at issue, and therefore would likely carry greater criminal exposure and potential culpability in the event the government's investigation were to reveal or confirm the commission of crimes rather than the offense currently charged. The government also currently intends to seek immunity at trial for an individual who was employed at the U.S. investigative firm. But unlike Tech Executive One, that individual is considered a witness and not a subject of the government's investigation based on currently known facts. End quote. Durham reveals that it looked like Sussman attempted to hide text messages from him, but it's okay because he got them from someone else. Quote, part four, the defendant's failure to preserve firm records during the relevant time period. All Perkins Cooey attorneys are required to maintain and preserve all firm records and communications that might exist on the attorney's personal devices. This past week, the government learned that, in connection with his departure from Perkins Coie, the defendant was required to turn over all communications constituting firm records that were contained on his personal devices. The evidence at trial will show that the earliest text messages turned over by the defendant date from November 25, 2016. There are extensive gaps in time for which no text messages were provided. The government is in possession of relevant text messages that the defendant exchanged during these time periods, including highly probative messages between the defendant and then-FBI General Counsel Baker. Please do not hesitate to contact the undersigned should you have any questions or concerns regarding this notice. Very truly yours, John H. Durham, Special Counsel, end quote. Durham's prosecution team got two previously undisclosed Baker phones from the Office of the Inspector General earlier this year. It's where they found the text message where Sussman came right out and said he wasn't coming on behalf of any client. What else did they find on those phones that wasn't turned over when it should have been? If Sussman tried to avoid discovery obligations by holding back text messages, Durham has caught him at it. And he just let him know he caught him at it. End of part one.